Hello and welcome to Nothing But The Poem. Hello, my name's Sam Tung and I'm the project coordinator at the Scottish Poetry Library. Welcome to our monthly podcast on our Nothing But The Poem sessions. This month it's the poet Helen Mort. In this outlook on our discussions that we had for our Nothing But The Poem session, I'm just going to introduce you to a couple of the poems that we looked at and some of the ideas and thoughts that we had as a group uh, when we discussed them. If you feel that you would like to join the discussion, then all you have to do, I invite you to become a friend of the SPL. These go out in our newsletter and I invite the friends every month to join us online on Zoom on a Friday at three o'clock. And it's a really nice way of winding into the weekend, just relaxing with some poems and relaxing with some poetry lovers who um, will always um, interpret the poems and build an interpretation together. So in this session, as I say, we're going to look at two poems by Helen Mort. I normally select three, but because there was so much discussion and so much conversation, we only managed to talk about two. That's a good sign. It means that there was a lot of people there with lots to say. The first poem we're going to look at is called Ablation. And I'll read it first and then give you some um, overview of what we were, what we got into. Ablation. Inside the Northern General, they're trying to burn away a small piece of your heart. I want to know which bit, how much, and what it holds. My questions live between what doctors call the heart and what we mean by it. Wide is the gap between brain and mind. And in our lineage of bypassed hearts, we should be grateful for the literal. I know my heart is your heart, good for running, not much else. And later, as you sit up in your borrowed bed, I get the whole thing wrong, call it oblation, offering or sacrifice. As if you had given something up, as if their tiny fire was ritual and we could warm by it. The group felt that there was an immediate invitation into the scene of the poem and there was no doubt where we are, that first line, inside the Northern General. And there's enough of a kind of universal um, recognition of hospital and entering into a hospital and what that does to our kind of sense of anxiety, sense of worry. And the way in which this poem kind of introduces itself, that anxiety comes in quite quickly and quite forcefully. Inside the Northern General, they're trying to burn away a small piece of your heart. And obviously in the poet's hands, um, that word heart does a lot of work. And when we were discussing this poem together, there were a few um, commentators in the group who made the point that that it's a kind of poet's desire to make these kind of procedures into metaphors, the way in which um, you make the um, everyday into an extraordinary thing and how the extraordinary is also part of the everyday. And those liminal places and those liminal moments, especially in hospitals, especially when there's danger and threat. The poet here, obviously trying to trying to recount some of that, but also using language to reference that and to create um, an emotive 
um, hold on us. So this desire to, to make a procedure, a medical procedure, into metaphor hinges on this quite big word, heart. And of course, that, that stanza about um, my questions live between what doctors call the heart and what we mean by it. This feels like a mini manifesto for the poet's work, that sense of what the doctors call the heart and then what poets mean by it or not just poets, um, people more generally, that kind of metaphor of the heart. And think of all the work that that word does. If you say people have got heart, or the heart of the matter, or even just it standing in for a person, um, and their kind of emotional range and their and their depth, the depth of the person. And that's the invitation to kind of write this poem, I suppose, because that gap between brain and mind, as wide as the gap between brain and mind, is where the poet wants to put their poem the doctors naming the heart and what the poet wants to call the heart is where all of this that this that manifests all of this language and all of these metaphors and all of this desire to produce a poem and in in that we get a kind of multiplicity of the sense of heart but there's also this sweep of family life captured in a single word a lineage and that's the poet's skill with language in a fairly short poem uh, and a fairly seemingly simple poem using that word our lineage of bypassed hearts you get a real sense that there's a history to this that there's a precedence to this operation and to this sense that uh, of inheritance of uh, an organ but also a style of living when we were discussing this poem what came up quite interestingly and in, in a sense I hadn't I'd not seen it and in the sessions we make sure to read the poem at least twice so that we can hear it again and get even more understanding of of how the poem is working and some people in the in the group felt that there was a kind of hinge between um, or an ambiguity between a positive and um, slightly more negative sense of the relationship between the the poet i the kind of the the center central voice of the poet poem and the character who's having the ablation procedure done to them so that bit there where the the line in the uh one two three four fifth stanza i know my heart is your heart good for running not much else that not much else seemed to be an interpretive key for quite a lot of people um, and there was almost a shadow poem running alongside the, the kind of mainstream interpretation of the poem in that there was a sense that actually this this heart not being good for much else might have hinted at um, a kind of lack in, in, the, in the poetic, uh, in the um, central character of the poem, that, there, that there's a lack in the heartfulness of the poet or in the... Um, the person who's having the the operation done to them so just what this kind of told us was that every phrase and every um kind of word choice is meaningful in this poem and can kind of open out to lots and lots of different other meanings perhaps a misunderstanding but it feels like the whole poem is also based on a misunderstanding and that's where we get to the end of the poem where we get the lines i get the whole thing wrong and call it oblation so this misunderstanding, this kind of mispronunciation of ablation for oblation, and suddenly the poem off opens up again as it's as it feels like it's winding to a close. It actually 
blows itself open and becomes a huge, um, it becomes a very large commentary on whether this is a kind of, this situation is an offering or a sacrifice or a ritual. And by that, we decided that there was, um, of course, this is a, a seemingly everyday procedure, but at the same time, as you accompany somebody going through it, these are the words you reach for offerings, sacrifice, ritual, these big abstract senses, um, which are a way of making sense of what's going on. So that was a bit of what we kind of looked at um, and thought through, particularly around misunderstanding. And I think that was what helped us kind of create an interpretation of this poem, was thinking about the place of misunderstanding, the multiplicity of the word heart, and then the kind of misheard or mispronounced sense of ablation as oblation and the whole poem proceeding from that. You can almost get a sense of how the poet thought themselves into writing this poem. The second poem we looked at was The Tattooed Lady. Uh, this is a more modern poem in the sense that it's uh, in Helen's 2022 book, The Illustrated Woman, and it's available online. It's actually an, um, a Guardian poem of the week a while ago. And as part of that article, it actually has a photograph heading the, the article of Betty Broadbent, who was the most photographed tattooed woman of the 20th century. And Betty Broadbent provides the epigraph to this poem by Helen Mort, uh, The Tattooed Lady, and I'll read it through first. The Tattooed Lady. It hurt something awful, but it was worth it. Betty Broadbent, New York Times, 1939. Portrait of Betty at a beauty pageant, the wingspan of her small black cape. Portrait of Betty lifting up her dress to show her thighs, Portrait of the portrait of Pancho Villa on her leg, Madonna almost smiling from her back. Then Betty, with a zebra at the circus, tight grip on the fur tufting its neck. Betty naked, wearing socks and sandals, seated with a crystal ball at stomach height. Betty in another century, in miniature, an outline on a younger woman's arm, or Betty at the end, her hands steepled in front of her, her horn-rimmed spectacles and level stare, her last designs on us. This was a great poem to read aloud and because of the way in which it proceeds with all of these images and a lot of people commented on how as they listened to the poem, all these portraits and pictures were conjured up in their mind's eye. The descriptive language of, of Helen's poem kind of engendering and, and animating this character of Betty Broadbent, even if you've never seen any portraits of Betty, the poet is describing them so vividly, they come to your mind's eye. And in a way, this is a kind of ekphrastic poem of photographs of Betty. So an ekphrastic poem is one that tends to work with a piece of art and not necessarily merely describe the piece of art, but jumps off the images and uses them as part of the poem and brings them to life. So this is a poem that is responding to all of these, these portraits of the most tattooed woman the most photographed, sorry, tattooed woman of the 20th century. And when we were, when I was sending these poems out to the group, I 
specifically said not to look at the article first because I wanted people to respond to the poem first. And some of the responses were were interesting, especially along the lines of the kind of the exoticism of the description and the descriptive elements in the poem. But we did quite quickly get into a discussion about what we thought about tattoos. And there was a kind of black and white, ironically, the poems, uh, the sorry, the pictures being in black and white. Uh, there was quite a lot of black and white ideas in the room in terms of judgments on tattoos and the, the nature of tattooing, which was interesting because the kind of judgments that circle around tattoos and being tattooed and its kind of history and its elements of um, its culture and whether the kind of where the tattoo fits in people's minds as well. These are the themes that actually echo throughout Helen's book, The Illustrated Woman. And it's these judgments and received wisdom of what tattoos might mean or what they can do that kind of animated our, our conversation around it. There was particular sense in which tattoos are meaningful uh, they obviously they have a lot of meaning for the person who is tattooed and sometimes that can be quite esoteric or it can be quite straightforward but this poem the tattooed lady helped us kind of think through some of the reasons why or perhaps or what some of the images that Betty Broadbent had on her skin what they kind of denoted or what they might have linked to and so we had quite a lot of fun thinking about how these these images are kind of had a place in Betty's history and possibly in the poet's history as well. We didn't show each other our tattoos on the uh, on the Zoom, but there were hints that quite a few of the people in the room had tattoos as well, um, and so that did add quite a lot to the discussion. And that's what tends to happen in our um, nothing but the poem groups. It's quite interesting how different people interpret the poems in different ways and of course from your own perspective what's great is that we explore that perspective and explore wider perspectives together and in a kind of safe space of the group so yeah this was a, a poem that engendered a lot of discussion and i if you've got any ideas about what it might mean or what you would how you would like to respond to it then you're also welcome to join us at nothing but the poems every month all you have to do is sign up as a friend of the scottish poetry library and you can have your two pennies worth as well, whether tattooed or not. So thanks for listening, and I look forward to presenting our next Nothing But The Poem in a month or so's time. Thanks a lot. Yeah.